and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. I have adopted a whole food plant-based lifestyle with my husband, Rick, and together we lost over 130 pounds. <laughs> so we like to coach others who are interested in adopting the lifestyle or if they want to reverse disease it. And that's why I like to have people on the show as my guests so that we can have more expert opinions and learning to happen here today. So today you can ask questions of our guests who will discuss fertility and pregnancy and how our lifestyle can have an impact. So just test voice. Let's welcome our guests. Today, Amy's guests will discuss simple ways to actually be healthier, to increase fertility, and how to dramatically decrease the risk of troubling pregnancy complications. Please click like and share to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome Dr. Jean Schumacher and Dr. Deborah Shapiro of the Pregnancy Advantage. Well, welcome. I'm really happy that you're here. So we have a lot to discuss today about pregnancy and fertility. And if you want to tell our audience a little bit about your background, I guess we can start with Dr. Shapiro. Do you want to talk about your background? Fantastic. Yes, thank you. And thank you, Amy. This is just such an honor to be actually to be able to speak live to people like this is wonderful. I am board certified OBGYN. I was raised on crappy food and didn't know anything about nutrition uh, while I was practicing for most of the time that I was practicing. But about nine or 10 years ago, I learned from a patient actually about uh, Farm Sanctuary and about uh, nutritionfacts.org. And then I started learning and reading and going to conferences and learned also about uh, some toxins because I, was, I had uh, mercury poisoning couple of times. So got very, very interested in this, became a coach, uh, not a life coach, but a health coach and a plant-based. Actually, I went to Main Street Vegan Academy to be a vegan lifestyle coach and educator also with Victoria Moran. And I've been working as an OBGYN, but also boarded in lifestyle medicine and had this remarkable connection with uh, Jean Schumacher. And so we created the Pregnancy Advantage. We're really trying to help women have improved fertility, healthier pregnancies, and healthier children. Well, awesome. I'm really so glad you're here. I'm so excited about this subject. So Jean, why don't you tell us about your background? My background is in science and education, and I'm a chemistry teacher. So my background is a lot about chemicals, and I'm very big on getting the environmental toxins out of your life and what you can do to help you have a better pregnancy by getting these toxins out of you. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a science teacher, have been teaching for over 35 years. I connected with Dr. Shapiro because both of us are, we both went about plant-based about the same time and had connected with each other. And just, it's such a powerful mission because if we're going to help to change the next generation, we have to get to the mothers before they get pregnant. Your pregnancy, your child is only going to be as healthy as you. Oh, very good. Well, we have some really great things to talk about today. What we'd like to do with the audience is we like to play a game called true or false. And then we will ask you guys to answer the question. So we're going to start with our true or false game. It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, so we're going to re ready to start our first question. And that is true or false, as long as you eat a whole food plant-based diet, get plenty of sleep and mitigate stress, 
There's nothing else you can do to ensure the health of your unborn baby. So that's a true or false. And you guys at home, wherever you are, if you want to type in the true or false answer, and we'll look at them later. Dr. Shapiro, did you want to start with that one? Sure, but I think that'll be a good one for both of us. Okay. I wish it were true that you just had to eat plants and mitigate stress or, or manage your stress and you would have a healthy child. But in fact, our world is much more complex right now. And it's there is a lot more to consider. So if we just think about a whole food plant-based diet, there are a few things that we are missing um, because they're not in plants, right? So one is B12. There are certain nutrients of concern. Uh, one is B12 that you need that are created by bacteria. So you need to take B12. Please don't mess around with that. That's absolutely not, it's essential. Um, but also, you know, vitamin Ds come from sunlight. You have to make sure that you're not deficient in D. You should get some extra folate. Um, there are a few others and we can talk about that. But so it has to be a well-planned whole food plant-based diet. And so that's that's having to do with food. Along with stress, I mean, there's also exercise and sleep and um, connections with others. So that's why I've sort of been studying lifestyle medicine, because we talk about all these things. And removing the toxins. Jim, <laughs> you like to talk about that? Yeah, because there's a lot of chemicals that out there. Since World War II, we've been introduced to about over 10,000 different chemicals that have been introduced into our society, into our watershed, into our environment. And so getting those chemicals out, and it's not just those chemicals that we're dealing with, but it's also the chemicals in personal care products, uh, your, your household cleaning products, things like that. If you're using like fabric softener sheets, whoa, that's a double whammy right there. Like you're, you're, it's two factors. You're, you're smelling the, you know, the fabric softener, but it's also against your skin because your skin can absorb a lot of these toxins. So the, one of the best things to do is to get as toxic free as possible. And because a lot of these chemicals are endocrine disruptors, okay? Your body, especially a female body, runs on hormones and you have this cyclic monthly, you know, whole piece that's going on in your body. And if you are being exposed to chemicals like in your shampoo or your deodorant or your toothpaste or cleaning products that are going to stop or have an impact, they're called endocrine disruptors. And you're part of the, the whole baby, baby making machinery is all hormone based. So if you get that disrupted, do you think there's gonna be a problem? Um, yeah. Oh, and wow. to add to that also, these endocrine disruptors affect future generations, not even just your child, but they're affecting the, the eggs that are developing inside of your embryo and fetus. So they're going to be affecting your grandchildren as well. And we're seeing things like, you know, if, you, if your grandmother was exposed to DDT, there may be more cancer. There may be more, even more obesity in future generations. Some of these, some of these chemicals are, in, are not some of them are going to disrupt disruptors, but some of them are obesogens. They actually make fat cells. Some of them interfere with, some of them act like estrogen. Some of them interfere with testosterone. It's all, it's all very frightening. And, and some of them are persistent in the environment and some of them are stored in your fat. You, you really need to um, do a little bit of research or get someone to help you to understand them and get them out of your environment. Wow, that's a little scary. It, it kind of reminds me of Dr. 
Alan Goldhammer when he talks about eating a healthy diet. And he, he says, I'm not going to necessarily tell you what you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you what you need to know. <laughs> I, wish it didn't, I wish the world wasn't like this. You know, it wasn't like this for your great grandmother. We're living in very different times. You know, but they say by 2050, there's going to be more microplastics, more plastic in the ocean than fish. So you, ha- you can't hide your head in the sand anymore. We have to wake up to this because it's, it's, it's not only important for you and your family, but it's important now for the entire world. We have to make this world a safer place for everyone and every living being. Right. And that's one of the reasons why we want to start with the babies. You know, we want to start with the moms to get their bodies ready for pregnancy. I mean, they don't call it labor for nothing, but we want to get them ready for pregnancy, but also to clean up their bodies, to clean them up so that they can have an impact on their children. You know, some of these chemicals are, some of these like heavy metals, I, I told you earlier that I had mercury poisoning twice and I discovered it because a patient came in and had miscarried and her mercury was found to be extremely high. And I was making this transition from me to fish, you know, and I was eating more fish and, and I didn't think about mercury. I didn't know anything about it. My mercury level was quite high and I was already having some symptoms. It's a neurotoxin like lead, you know, these are neurotoxins and, and aluminum as well. I learned that the half-life of, of mercury is about a hundred days, three months. So that means when my mercury level was 14, it took three months to get down to seven. You really don't want to have start a pregnancy unless your mercury level is less than four. I think it's, um, I believe it's, um, micrograms per liter. So have it tested, especially if you're eating fish. And I know that ACOG recommends, the American College of OBGYN recommends eating a low mercury containing fish twice a week. Um, But it's not necessary. And and maybe that was true years ago when fish, when our waterways were safe, but they're not safe now. And there's dioxins in the fish and there's PCBs. So um, I would, I would check, I would Reduce fish if necessary, you know, if you don't need it, you don't need it. I don't think you do because you can get omega-3s from other sources and get your mercury checked if you are someone who has fish a couple of times a week, just to be sure before you get pregnant. Right. I mean, we as humans, as you say, especially if we have extra fat on our bodies, we're walking around with these toxins. Mm-hmm. So the fish, th- they have fat. <laughs> so they're swimming around with these toxins and then we go and eat them. So that's pretty scary. Did you want to add something, Jean? Oh, gosh, I, it's just so important. I mean, for the health of your child, and because I've seen it in the classroom. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was born in 1960. You can do the math. Okay. I wasn't up there with the dinosaurs or anything. But, you know, one of the things that I have seen in my lifetime I mean, I never saw an autistic child until the 1990s. And now, according to the CDC, it's one out of 54. Why? It's because of the toxins, because of the plant-based, you know, eating the SAD diet, the standard American diet, you know, both of these things. But I've seen it in the classroom. I've seen the developmental delays. I've seen the problems. I've seen so many issues from ADD to ADHD to, you know, autism to just on and on and kids being sick all the time that they have no immune system on a given day. When I was teaching in the classroom, a third of my kids would be out every day. It was a rare day that I had all my kids at school in my classes. It was a rare day and kids would be chasing like sick. You know, I've got this problem and that problem. They're going from one doctor to another and kids that I, that I had helped to go on a plant-based diet miraculously. It's a miracle. I, I'm healed, you know, and it, but it's no miracle to me because 
when you start to eat clean and you get the toxins out of your diet, you start to exercise and you start to, to appreciate this high performance vehicle right here and learn about it, then yeah, no, for sure. And there's so much that's hidden from us. For example, I mean, I didn't, you know, it's a learning process, right? Of all of this. I mean, you can, you can try to stay away from BPA plastics and, but you know, when you see things that say like natural flavors to know that that's not a natural flavor, that that could be thousands of chemicals that are created in a lab to make something taste like. So, you know, I've definitely helped people in my, in my practice who are having digestive issues, for example, um, by getting them to eat more organic foods that are non-GMO and not covered in glyphosate and that don't have these artificial flavors and colors on them. And they see the difference pretty, pretty quickly. I'm really glad that people who watch this broadcast, a lot of them have adopted a whole food plant-based diet. Maybe today, some of them have not heard of it or, or don't know much about it. And they're just here because of you guys, because of the pregnancy and the infertility uh, discussion. But the, for those that have adopted it, I think that they just think that if they just adopt this lifestyle, then that's all they really need to do. And then if things don't get better for them, then they think this lifestyle doesn't work. Everybody told me it would work and it doesn't work. But there's, we talked about some of the pillars with the sleep and the mitigating stress, but now here's another pillar with, with these toxins. So this is a real big deal. And I'm really so glad that you guys are here to help spread the word about this. We're very grateful to be here, but also I feel like every day I open my you know my device, you know, and I'm looking, scrolling through the environmental news and the news about, because I, I, I get all of this and it's amazing how much this is an issue. Things like PFAS, I think people probably have heard about. PFAS, per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. And they're these forever chemicals. And, and it's going to be very difficult to get them out of your life, but you can reduce exposure. People of color are using a lot more hair, pro you know, different hair products. These are also toxins and we need change. We need to change for the help for the for the sake of your children. We've heard people talk about that in the UK that they have what they call the precautionary principle. Mm -hmm. And then in the United States, they have generally recognized as safe. So who wants to talk about that? Oh, I'll jump right in there. <laughs> I figured it um, would be you, Jean. <laughs> yeah. Because, and they do, you're right. The precautionary principle means that basically you have to prove that it's not toxic. Here in the United States, there is no regulation at all. They can put anything that they want into the personal care products and cleaning products, and they do. And they hide things. They're very good at hiding things. I mean, I had uh, one of my... Uh, clients had come up to me. She lived around the block from me. And she said, you know, I need to show you something. She came over to the house and she showed me underneath her armpit. And it was, it was like, it was on fire. And I said, what, what, what are you using? And she says, Oh, I got this at the, the local health food store. And I said, well, stop right there. Just because you get it at a health food store doesn't mean that it's going to be okay. So I said, and I turned around and I looked, you know, cause on the back, it said no parabens, no phthalates, no this, no that. And you know, there's like 20 things on the front that it said none. And the first ingredient was aluminum. And I turned around, turned around and I said, you know, there's aluminum in this. And she says, no, it says right here, no aluminum. And I said, let's be clear. It says no aluminum chlorohydrate. So there's hundreds of different types of salts. So they just use a different salt uh, in, in their process. And so you were still getting it, but they wrote, they used, and here's how they trick you. They used the common name, potassium alum. And then in parentheses, they wrote mineral salts. And my girlfriend, she was like, but, but mineral salt, that's healthy, right? And I'm like, well, arsenic is a mineral salt and that is not very healthy. Just checking, you know, just saying. 
And she was absolutely furious. She was absolutely so upset because she really tries to make sure that she's living to as toxic free as we can in this, in this lifestyle. And she was very, very upset about that. Not, not in addition to having this phenomenal rash underneath her arms and it, painful, quite painful. So we stopped it and immediately the rash stopped, but you know, and, and that's, Part of the part of the process. I mean, that potassium alum is short for potassium aluminum silicate. They trick you. They, there's a lot of things that they can do to trick you out there. Um, most people think that that, and I grew up this way. That if it's on a shelf in a store, that it means that it is okay and safe for you. Um, no, it's not. There's no regulation. They can put anything they want in there, and they do. And even things like, for example, it says BPA free. Um, Okay, let's be clear on that one. Even though it says BPA free, let's let's think back. What they did is they took a piece of that molecule. It's a very large molecule. They broke off a little tiny piece of it. They put they transitioned something else in there, and now all of a sudden, legally, it is BPA free. And they can market it as such, but even still, it's going to have still the same impact. So learning these things about, I mean, you could spend your whole life as, you know, like I have, you know, learning about these chemicals and the impact on your body. But the best thing that you can do is to try and learn how to live as toxic free as possible. For example, instead of using something like BPA that has BPA in it, get stainless steel, get, get, you know, a, a mug that's stainless steel that you can reuse, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, just, it's learning how to navigate this very toxic world. It's very scary. I was just reading today about, I was just reading today about benzene um, being in some Johnson Johnson, some products that were, I think they were spray on sunscreens that they're going to remove, but much higher levels than they had originally said. The company, you know, had hidden this and benzene is a carcinogen. So it's, um, it is, it is frightening. There is, a wonderful database database that we that we do refer to uh, from the Environmental Working Group, and I, I use their their stuff all the time. They have the Dirty Dozen and the Clean Fifteen. If you're going to try to eat more produce that's not as covered in pesticides and herbicides and fungicides, and then there's also personal care products uh, that they they have a listing and a water database that's very important too. Um, so you can have your water you can put in your your zip code and figure out where your water comes from, and they'll tell you. Um, what what the uh, chemicals are that are in your water, and you might want to get a filter. I had to get a filter. Oh, it was surprising. Yeah, and here you had had the mercury levels high, and then you th thought that, that everything was okay after that, and then you find out that you water. So th there's just so much to think about. It really is. It and is. We shouldn't be afraid, though, right? We're, I mean, we're not trying to sound alarms to make everybody just hide under a cover in their bed and not come out. There's ways to navigate through this and be safe. But especially if, if you want to become pregnant, it's really important, right? I think it's that really, really is the time. You know? I think that if you're going to plan for a pregnancy and you're going to get yourself into shape and you're going to really pay attention to your, your diet and your exercise and your sleep and all of this, you're going to do as much as you can and you're going to stop drinking alcohol, then just... Think about all these other possible toxins that you could be exposed to and reduce them. And there's a wonderful website actually called Million Marker. We, we actually interviewed uh, the, the woman who started this, Jenna Hua, uh, a, a wonderful scientist who was concerned about toxins before pregnancy. And you can actually have your urine looked at 
and examine to see um, and it, uh, what chemicals are in them in terms of endocrine disrupting chemicals and chemicals that might be passed on. And and then she'll look at your all the household products and all your personal care products also and show you how to reduce them. So it's called millionmarker.com. So that's one idea. And then um, Jean knows a company where everything is completely toxic free and they have personal yep. care products and they also have cleaning products that are amazing. Let's talk a little bit about fat on the body and how that affects the kinds of toxins that we have. So do you want to get into that a little more? I'm going to jump in on that one and yeah. then Deborah can take over because, whoa, there's two basic types of chemicals that the body has to deal with, fat soluble and water soluble. So if it's water soluble, your body's going to be peeing it out. And that's what one of the things that Deborah was talking about is those chemicals that are soluble in water, you're going to pee it out. So your urine is going to reflect that. What it will not reflect is the fat and the chemicals that are stored in your fat, because the fat soluble ones go right into your body and your body says, okay, uh, where do we put this? Uh, we got to store it someplace. And it goes right into your fat cells and it causes them to become these like toxic dumps. And it's huge. And when you, especially when you start to accumulate, you know, metals, like Deborah had the mercury, you know, there's the aluminum from pots and pans and, and deodorants and baking powder. Who knew aluminum and baking powder? Seriously. Whoa. Okay. Your turn, Deborah. <laughs> I was thinking about everything you're saying and, and also that not only fat is a storage uh, place in our body, but also bones. And that's one reason that we do recommend that you make sure that you're getting enough calcium before and during your pregnancy and after so that your body doesn't need to mobilize anything from your bones and break down bones because there's there are toxins that are being stored in your bones as well and when it when, especially so this is another reason to think about if you are overweight or obese and you need to lose weight or you want to lose weight before you get pregnant um, give it time do it before because it is going to you're going to mobilize some of these stored toxins and you want to get them out of your body so the pesticides come out pretty quickly and if you go on a, on a plant-based diet you're going to see um, a pretty quick um, uh, diminution of your toxic of your uh, toxin load um, in your urine. Um, but some of these last a lot longer and take a lot longer. So we talked about the mercury, but there are other chemicals um, that also take longer to get out of your body. So detox as soon as, uh, you know, as soon as you're thinking about getting pregnant. Well, that's good to know. Did you, is there anything else you wanted to add, Jean, before we move I on? I do, because, you know, Deborah was talking about the calcium in your bones, but and one of the things that will leach out of your bones is things like soda. Oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, it, soda had, is so acidic to your body. It is literally anywhere like, you know, some of the dark colas are going to come in anywhere between 10 and a hundred thousand times more acidic than the body should be handling. Okay. And in order for your body to alkalize that you will alkalize it. Okay. Cause that's what death is. Death is you cannot alkalize things anymore and your body becomes very acidic and you die. And that's what dying is, the process of it. So your body will alkalize that soda that you just drank. However, in order to do that, you will be taking calcium from your bones, magnesium from your muscles, sodium or potassium from your bloodstream, but you will alkalize that and at a cost to you biologically. So one of the things we really focus on is, you know, helping you all around to understand because there is a lot to learn. <laughs> wow. I wish this program were around when I was getting pregnant with my kids because I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this now is because I want to help future mothers 
so that they don't make my mistakes. And yeah. Oh, and my mistakes too. I'm not a mom, but I delivered that, you know, thousands of babies. And I didn't know really that even stress, maternal stress could have such a huge effect on future generations. And I, I don't think I, I, I didn't understand it. And now we spend a lot more time talking about managing stress because there's a lot of data on that too. And you were talking about, you wanted to talk about fat. One of the articles that I read that got me interested in, in all of this beyond just eating a plant-based diet, but really thinking about what was going on with moms and babies and pregnancies was an article that I found in a magazine called uh, Contemporary OBGYN, but you can find it online. And it's by a researcher, uh, Andrea Edlow. She's actually doing a lot of research on the virus too and the vaccine in pregnancy. So if you, I think we might be talking about that later for the virus, um, for COVID. But she wrote an article called Maternal Obesity, Fat in the Fetal Brain. And I was very surprised. I had no idea that when moms and even dads, potential, you know, fathers, the, the fathers uh, just contributing a sperm also can increase the, the chances of autism in your offspring. If the father is obese, it's not just, so there's, you know, there's inflammation and there's oxidative stress. I mean, there's all of this that you're then passing, that's having an effect on so, okay, the sperm, of course, before you get pregnant. But once you're pregnant and the baby is developing inside of a mom who is eating a high fat, high animal fat, high saturated fat diet and is obese also, um, that child's, um, the hormonal, what do they call it? Um, it's programming, the fetal programming is not happening in um, in the correct way, and there's fetal malprogramming of their of their brain, of their hormones, of so these the children are not going to be as healthy. But I think that this should be empowering people because we're seeing a rise in autism and other things like that. It's sometimes when you would become pregnant, you probably are thinking that you're just spinning this roulette wheel and hoping that everything is okay and just leaving it up to fate that, that it's going to be. But now we're, you're empowering women here and men that a lot of this is under their control. If they can just learn about it and follow the steps that you talk about, this can be something that can really make a big difference and really, really big impact. So I'm really excited yeah. that you're talking about that. And we've we've actually been speaking to a lot of women too, and they're they're interviewed on our on our first on our first summit, and we're going to be doing the same with this one. Um, women who were told that they were infertile and um, had issues with medical with medical problems like PCOS or endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, or endometriosis, and were told that they wouldn't be able to get pregnant, and then they went on a whole food plant based diet and they lost some weight and they changed what they ate and woo, they got pregnant and they had these fantastic pregnancies and they got and they had babies. So. Uh, so this is, it's not theoretical. It actually, in, in real life, it does, it, it does work. It takes a little time. I mean, you can't say, well, I'm going to give myself a month and I'm going to see if I lose some weight and I'm going to, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Probably you should give yourself at least six months. It depends how much weight you'd like to lose. Any amount, even a small amount of weight will help your fertility. Um, but in terms of insulin resistance and reducing your risk of developing uh, uh, diabetes in pregnancy and you know, if your blood pressure is high and you're on blood pressure medication, you want to get off of that before you get pregnant, you want to get that under control with diet if you can. So take some time. Because there's so many women that we have found that are having difficulties getting pregnant now. I mean, part, there's several different factors. I mean, people are, women are starting later in life and having babies later, but okay, fine. 
But apart from that, there's some huge problems out there. And especially before you go down that in vitro fertilization rabbit hole. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, what you're going to be going through to go through infertility treatment, it's, it's powerful. Wow. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody, you know, obviously people are desperate, but before you get to that level, you might want to like clean up your body a little bit, you know, and make receptacle where a baby can be born. That's fabulous. I mean, because I'm sure that there are people that are listening or watching now that are, are probably either undergoing it or, or thinking about it or saving up for it because it is quite expensive. There's quite a lot of downtime and and just a lot of stress too, uh, hoping that hoping that it works this time and so forth. So just to know that this would be just a great way to, you know, what have you got to lose? Maybe a little weight, <laughs> maybe right. some migraine headaches. I don't know. <laughs> what have you got to lose True. to give this a try? Well, that's wonderful. I have a question from Emily and she wants to know, do blood pressure medicines affect fertility? So we kind of talked about medications a little bit. Did you want to talk right. about that? Hmm. Well, I can't say exactly whether I, I actually wouldn't know. I don't know. Blood pressure medications themselves affect fertility, but there are certain blood pressure medications that you should not be on if you're trying to get pregnant and if you're going to be pregnant. So you, ha you should talk to your clinician and I'm not sure you gave the, this, whether this disclaimer beforehand, but even though I am an OBGYN and lifestyle medicine doctor, I'm not acting as your physician as I, you know, talk about these issues with you because I don't know you and you're not my patient. So uh, you could take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, but what I'm, what I'm offering is that you should go to your doctor, your clinician, and make sure that you, if you're trying to get pregnant, that you're on a medication that is safe for pregnancy. So there are beta blockers that are safe, you know, and dipedipine is safe, but there's some that you really, that you, so there are calcium channel blockers and there are beta blockers that are safe, but there's others that you really, you really shouldn't be on in pregnancy because they're not safe for pregnancy. Uh, so I can't say, uh, so also hypertension needs to be controlled <laughs> in when you're pregnant, because uh, if it's not, then you, you're definitely at risk for developing preeclampsia, which is a very serious complication in pregnancy. You can end up having to deliver early um, and have a baby that needs to be in the NICU. You can even develop very serious complications. And also when you have preeclampsia in pregnancy, you're more likely to develop heart disease later. So this is something that you should take care of is as much as possible, get your blood pressure under control. And Jean is really an expert in this because she had extremely high blood pressure and she was able to control it without medication on a whole food, right? You don't take any medication for your blood pressure, do you? Right. Like Plant-based diet, but really no salt. So we talk about that in the program. You really, and it's tricky because there is salt in a lot of things, right? Right. I mean, it's very hard, but, but I mean, I, my blood pressure also came down from 150 over 95 to 110 over 60 on a whole, on a plant-based diet. And I'm not as sensitive to sodium as Gina is, but you know, together, we really do try to help you to eat as, as in a, in a way that will help your blood pressure as much as possible. Some people just have to be on medication. They have a problem with their kidneys and they just have to be on medication. So then just be on a medication that is safe for pregnancy. Very good. Yeah. But it's I'm also going to jump in and yeah. say that with all medications, all medications, you're going to have side effects. And we really don't know the full extent of what these, these medications will have on our body because our body was not really designed to be on medications long-term. 
So it can have impacts and we don't know the full extent. So especially because people are very, uh, they don't want to touch a woman when she's pregnant to do like run tests on them, you know, and, and see. So it's kind of a tricky, tricky wicket to go around. But yeah, I, any kind of medications, I'm kind of leery about, you know, per se, even though you need it and, and you may need it. But I've seen people in as little as 10 days, not to say that everybody's going to be the same, but as little as 10 days, people have gotten off of their high blood pressure medications or have had to have them greatly reduced. And that is something you have to be really careful about. You have to do that under the guidance and the supervision of a, a, a medical doctor because your, your medication levels are going to change. So you need to be aware of that. You need to have someone who knows about that. And so Deborah does that with, she coaches people in her new view of food. But we also talk about that in, in uh, our, the program, the Pregnancy Advantage. But I've seen people really not be able to get off their medications completely, reduce them, yes, but not, not get off them completely um, because it's hard to give up the oils. It's hard for people to give up the oils and to give up this, this salt, the hidden... Yeah. So, you know, like you're just going to have a couple of French fries, I mean, here and there. And, you know, it's, it's just tough. And some people for that, for, you know, for some people, that's enough that just keeps them a little bit high and needing medication or cooking, still cooking with oil, because that's what you like. So you have to decide what you're willing to do. But Jean is right. But uh, certainly you can't play around with your blood pressure. It will be controlled during pregnancy. Your doctors will be checking your blood pressure or your midwives will be checking your blood pressure every time you go in. And if it's starting to climb, they probably won't talk to you about diet. They will, they will put you on medication. Right. And I wanted to add that I'm on a whole food plant-based SOS free, meaning no sugar, oil, or salt. I talk to people about it sometimes. And so often people say, well, I don't use salt because they think that the only time that they get salt in their diet is when they pick up a salt shaker and actually physically put it on themselves. And they don't realize that if they eat a slice of bread, it has more sodium in it than one little potato chip and they can't taste the salt in the bread, but it's there. So it's, it's, it is hidden in a lot of foods. And that's why it's so important to have guidance from someone like yourselves to show them. But giving up salt doesn't mean giving up flavor, right? So, right. So, because I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people, when they adopt this lifestyle, when they find out that they can eat so much food <laughs> and not weigh or measure, that they really say, and that it tastes good. So, and, and that's the bonus. So it's, that's really great. And it's something for people to know that when you adopt this lifestyle, as you were saying, I mean, you need to do this, especially if you're going to be reducing your blood pressure or if you're diabetic, right? These are the things that, that you might be on medications for, and you could become dangerously over-medicated in a really short period of time because this diet is so effective. So I do encourage you, you can work with someone like uh, Dr. Shapiro, and not all doctors are expert at titrating you down off of medications. They know how to prescribe them, but they really <laughs> aren't all, all experts at that. So it's good to be with a physician that knows about titrating off medications. So actually, you know, I work as a I work as an OBGYN in my job at Genentech, but I work as a health coach um, with clients. So I will assist you, but I would have you work with a with a physician also to get off of medications, especially if you've been on them for a while. You know, we were talking about stalled and being on an SOS free diet, but and it's it's interesting because once you've done it and been on this for a while, your taste buds change, and whenever I taste something that has some, you know, more salt in it, I'll really notice it. I'll say, woo, it's very salty. And other people will, will not notice it. 
or if I make food and bring it over to my neighbor, my 91 year old um, Greek neighbor who's fabulous, um, just says the first thing she does is she adds salt. <laughs> just yeah. used to having things with salt and I don't put salt on it. Yeah, it's funny. The Greek word for salt is halat. Uh, so it almost makes me think of a lot. <laughs> Heidi wants to know, she said, I'm 25 and I have been trying for three months to get pregnant. How or when can I know if I'm infertile? I guess you just get so excited when you're ready, when you're ready to try and, yeah. and everything else is looking good. You just, after the first pregnancy test that you take and it's negative, then you, then you think, oh no, you think the worst. So go ahead. Okay. Okay, well, so most women will get pregnant within a year, like 80% of women will get pregnant within a year of trying. So if you're young, if you're less than, say, 35, I would recommend if your periods are regular, if your periods are regular, then you should give it a year. You really should. Now, if you're 35, we say that you can give it six months. And if you're over 40, you could just go to an infertility specialist. So there's that. Uh, but if your periods are not regular, then I think you should have some evaluation for some sort of anovulation and maybe some subfertility. So I think that could be checked. Uh, if your husband, if there's any reason to think that the that your spouse, I shouldn't say husband, but the man who's, who's giving you some sperm uh, might have an issue, anything, history of mumps, I mean, something that seems not right, then um, he could also be checked a lot of the times it is male factor um, infertility that we're dealing with. So, um, but those are the most common, you know, anovulation and male factor. So uh, if there's any, if there's any concern about that, then see someone sooner. But if not, if you're both healthy and you're a good weight and you're um, otherwise well, and you're having regular periods, I would give it a good year. Oh, that's a long time. <laughs> At least it feels like a long time, I would suppose. <laughs> so are there any tests that are not too invasive that somebody can take just because they want to feel like they're doing something while they're waiting? Well, if you want to do something while you're waiting, you know, make sure that you're immune to rubella and, and uh, chicken pox and um, make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're getting adequate nutrition and adequate vitamin, you know, supplements, and you're taking your, your B12 and your folate and, um, and calcium and getting a thousand and getting your iodine, making sure that you're getting 150 micrograms of iodine, very important. And that's not something that we just normally get, you know, it, you know, a lot of people get it in iodized salt. So if you're not having salt, you need to think it's from sea vegetables or from a, a prenatal vitamin. If, if there was an issue with, with your, with ovulation, if you're concerned, then yes, you should be. You could have your cycle day three FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, and estradiol checked. You could have it if you were a little bit older. If you were, you know, 35 and you were having some irregular bleeding and you were concerned, you could have something called the um, anti-malarian hormone um, AMH checked. Um, but I think no, I think you should get your B12 checked. You know, make sure that you're in the best health possible, and then enjoy the ride. Enjoy because I'm and I bet we told you some things today that you didn't know about. Maybe you weren't, maybe you were still drinking from plastic water bottles. Maybe you were still putting, you know, some things in the microwave on plastic and, or maybe you weren't um, thinking about PFOS in some of your, the products that you might be having around the house even. So. Jean, do you want to talk about plastic as far as, especially heating plastic? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. You should not be using any kind of plastics, you know, especially, 
you know, heating them in the microwave without question. Uh, you definitely want to be using glass if you're going to be using a microwave. I'm not a big fan of the microwave at all. So I tend to heat things up very gently. I use what's called a mini hot logic and I batch cook, you know, on Sundays and I prepare pretty much what we're going to be eating for the most part, you know, in terms of heat, you know, hot meals. And I'll make those on Sunday. We spend several hours in the kitchen, my husband and I, and then during the week we have, we put them into dishes and then we just take them out. And in the, after my morning smoothie, I'll put the, those dishes, the, you know, pieces into the mini hot logic. And then when I'm ready to eat, I have a hot meal. And so it keeps things hot without having to use microwaves. Um, but the, getting back to your original point, the chemicals, the plastics, you really want to stay away from those water bottles, you know, especially like they talk about, oh, don't let the water bottles get hot, you know, in your car, heat it up. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of companies that are actually taking those bottles and they use what's called distilled water. And the, when the water comes out of being distilled, because to, to create distilled water, you have to heat it to boiling and then you cool it down and then it condenses back into water and it leaves behind all the stuff, which is at that point, distilled water becomes very toxic and it becomes, I shouldn't say toxic, but it becomes, I call it dead water. Okay. So it's not very good for you. And so those companies, these companies will take that water that's still hot and put it into these plastic bottles. So they're leaching out the chemicals into these plastic bottles. And so this is not a great process. Um, so, and, and as Dr. Shapiro said, you can have your urine tested to see if you are, you know, peeing out some of these chemicals. Because if you are, then you can start to trace back, where am I getting them from, you know? And it's not to say that we can avoid plastic. We can't, but you have to start learning where you can draw the lines, you know, like I still have some plastic containers, but I don't put food in it. That's acidic, like spaghetti sauce. Do you ever see the plastic containers? You put spaghetti sauce in there and they turn that orange lovely. Yeah, and people are like, I can't clean this. I don't understand why. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't put things like that are going to be acidic into plastic containers. So that's when I would use something like glass. But I'm like when I was packing my lunch and carrying food around with me because I'm working from home now. So I pretty much don't have to do that. But when I did, I would bring a cooler with me everywhere and I would pack my food. So like carrots, I'd put a paper towel down into the into the plastic container, put my carrots in. That's fine. OK, that's OK, especially to help, you know, lighten the load. But anything that was going to be heated, glass, glass only. That's really important because there are so many things that people use to store food. And I purchased glass containers, but the lids were plastic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll cook food and then I'll store leftovers in these glass containers. And it, it's so tricky. But I, I think that if you maybe don't fill it all the way up, and it's not touching the lid, maybe you could do that. But I mean, is that what you suggest? Because yeah. it's really hard to get away from that. It's true. And if you want to get to the next level, you know, you can put things like a piece of parchment paper down before that goes underneath the lid. Because um, I still like things like aluminum foil. I rarely use it. You know, maybe like if I'm making a lasagna and I need to have it sealed in. So I'll put parchment paper down first and then I'll use the aluminum foil. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be perfect? No. Okay. But again, you learn to do the best that you possibly can. So Aluminum foil should not be something that you should be using. Right. For the most part. Food. The, yeah. um, 
Well, there are some containers now I'm seeing with bamboo, with bamboo top. I mean, everyone's trying to get away from single-use plastic. I'm seeing over in Europe that they really are trying to reduce the amount of plastic. It's something that we all have to be thinking about for the for the planet, right? So, did you want to say anything else? No, I. Okay. Well, just I'm teaching at a school where we're doing modules, and that was the first module that we did was don't trash the earth, and it's phenomenal how much trash we generate. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely insane. And so until you start to look at how much trash you actually generate, and especially because I live up on Cape Cod and we don't have any dumps up here. So all the trash that's here on Cape Cod has to be taken off and they call it the trash train. So all the trash goes to what's called a transfer station. And then that's transferred over to the trash train and then that's taken off. And I don't know, even know where that goes after it leaves Cape Cod, but it does not stay here because we have no dumps here. So, you know, when you start to think about how much trash we actually generate, it's, it's insane. I want to go back in time and have you for my science teacher. <laughs> so we have a question from Kristen and Kristen wants, says, I eat a hundred percent plant-based diet. I have high levels of sex hormone binding globulin SHBG. How can I lower this level? Do I have a high level because I do not eat enough plant protein? Oh, that is so often when doctors will say you're not eating enough protein or whatever. Did you have anything that you might want to talk about as far as that goes, Dr. Shapiro? It is interesting. People can, people complain that on birth control pills, they have higher, they have um, less libido because birth control pills will raise sex hormone binding globulin, lowering free testosterone. So you have a little bit less libido or, or desire to have sex um, on birth control pills. And, but I don't know other than removing chemicals that we know are endocrine disruptors. I don't, can't think of anything else that you can do. I does not have to do with protein. I mean, it, um, you know, we really need sort of 9% of calories in protein. Um, so I, and we tell people even a little bit more 10, 12, you know, 13, you can, but, um, so unless you're eating just, uh, raw, uh, completely raw diet with no legumes and you're really not being careful about nuts and seeds and legumes and you're, then you, I mean, you, most people are getting plenty of protein. Um, so you said whole plant food, but you didn't say you were just eating, you know, fruits, right? So, um, you, sh you should not be deficient in protein, and that should not have anything that I know of to do with, um, you know, to higher levels of sex hormone binding globulin. That's so not I'm not aware of that. But these endocrine disruptors, who knows? I don't I don't you know it's possible. So if there's any chemicals that you can think of, parabens and phthalates and um, um, and PFOS and BPA, BPS, all of that, you know, just Get them out. And these are words that we don't even, other than BPA, I think many people know about that, but the other words that you're talking about, it's phthalates just not are, even in people's vocabulary. The phthalates are the plasticizers and they're also scented. I mean, Jean can talk about this in this, right? And, and, and parab, why do they have parabens? What are parabens? <laughs> why well, do they, what are they used for? Uh, they usually use them as a base, you know, because you got to have something to mix chemicals in. Mm. So, you know, parabens, and there's a whole, the paraben, the paraben family, you know, if just says it, it, there's like methylparaben, butylparaben, propylparaben, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're all bad. And what happens again, they're bioaccumulative, these, these chemicals, 
that are within it. Um, and they, they build up in your body and they say, oh, it's not enough to worry about. Okay. You've been putting on hand lotion for how long? You've been washing your hair for how long? I mean, things like, like, you know, shampoo, baby shampoos. Oh my God. They used to put formaldehyde in baby shampoos. Formaldehyde is that chemical. We used to use it because science teachers were getting critically ill because of the, the formaldehyde. Formaldehyde was used to, you could always know when it was being dissection time in the biology wing, because the whole wing would stink of formaldehyde. And they started using a different chemical called formalin, which is very similar and still stinks just as bad, but it's not as toxic. And they were putting that in baby shampoo and you're like, a baby's head is still evolving. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. Why would you be putting these chemicals on there that are so toxic for the, for the child itself? So, you know, it, it doesn't matter what chemical, you know, it's a chemical family, the parabens. So it doesn't matter. I mean, and, I, and I've seen like, like a, I broke my wrist and I went to go for therapy and, you know, she came out with this cream <laughs> she didn't know who she was. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't want to make myself to be that. Oh, she's that weird one, you know? So, so, you know, she says, she puts this thing down and she opens it up and I said, what's that? And she says, oh, it's just going to be some cream. I'm going to massage your wrist. It's going to feel really good. And I said, just one second, please. <laughs> I picked it up and turned it around and there was not one, but three parabens and two massive endocrine disruptors. And I didn't say anything because I didn't want to like, you know, like start yeah. the lecture and, you know, be that weird person. So I just got my Mary Poppins bag and I just pulled out some stuff and I said, well, let's not use that. Let's use this. And I didn't say anything else. And finally, you know, she said to me, why, why, why do, why do I have to use this? And I said, it's more for you than for me. And she's like, what? And I said, how many times a day do you massage that, that cream into somebody's arm or wrist or leg or whatever you're working on? What part you're working on body part? And she said, well, I could have 10 to 12 a day. And I said, okay, that's 10 to 12 times. Cause it goes right through your skin in 26 seconds. It's in your bloodstream. And I said, did you want to have children at some point in your life? And she's like, well, yeah. I said, well, then you need to stop that. You need to stop the, using this. Well, this is have, oh, my gosh. This is going to have a huge impact on whether you're going to have a child or not. And she just looked at me like I was absolutely like, you know, a three-headed monster, you know. And, you know, eventually by the end of my therapy, I converted her. She was the owner of the, oh. the therapy clinic. And she switched over to some products. I guided her to that, you know, products that are toxic free, you know, but even things like, for example, you know, we like to have the smell and mm. that's one of the worst things that you could possibly get anything laundry detergent, you know, every, they have so many chemicals that are embedded into them and they, Oh, well, that's proprietary information. We don't want anybody to know about this. Stop it. I can give that to an analytical chemist and in 10 seconds, I can tell you what's in that. Stop it. You know? And so they say, Oh, it's proprietary information. I don't want my competitors to know, but in reality, what they're doing is hiding some very severe chemicals in those scents, those fragrances. My husband and I were out for a walk the other day and on the walking path, this couple just power walked behind, you know, we were just strolling. They were power walking. And I swear I could smell, they were using a, a laundry, you know, the, the fabric softener, uh, those sheets. I could smell that for at least a quarter of a mile. They, they were long gone and I could still smell that. Right. Yeah. And that, that can make you different from anybody else in that because you've eliminated these 
chemicals and scents from your life, now you become more aware of the scent where maybe before you may not have. And I find it to be the same thing because I've eliminated not, not as much as you have, but I have been slowly eliminating things. And now I walk by somebody that has fabric softener on them. I mean, there are some t- people that I can't be around because even if they walk away, <laughs> I can still you know, smell what they like. Yeah. And Jean, tell everybody, what does clean smell like? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Right. <laughs> there cool. smells like the absence of nasty smells. Yeah. <laughs> there are people who are still using these these plugins, right? That are just actually putting phthalates into your air. Um, and you you don't you don't need that. Don't Candles. Yeah. Candles you can, are another one. That are, they're just putting scents out into the air that you're breathing. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, and again, we don't realize these things, but until you have someone that can point that out. And that's one of the things, you know, Deborah and I spent literally, we were spent about nine months before we gave birth to a pregnancy <laughs> advantage. And we, we put our heart and soul into everything that we know. And we're continuing to build it, you know, every day. Deborah finds another new study or this or that or whatever. And we're constantly adding to the body of knowledge so that we can bring our future mamas, you know, the most current information that is science-based for them to understand if they want to have a healthy child. And honest to God, I have seen it in the classroom. It's just, it's so disturbing on so many levels what our kids are dealing with. And when they do change, you know, acne is another one. Oh my God. I had one kid who had, I mean, he, they weren't supposed to wear hoods or hoodies into class or hats or whatever, but I felt so bad for him. His face was just covered. I mean, so bad. And he wore the deepest hood that he could. You know, it was almost like he was a Jedi, you know, with one of those capes that he had. And I could not bring myself to say, you have to take that off in class because I know why he was doing it. Went plant-based, cleared up. Hello. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they can be sometimes pretty painful too. Yeah. So yeah, not just yeah. socially, but physically painful. I have another question. And then after that, I want you to tell us more about the pregnancy advantage. Kristen wants to know, is soy an endocrine disruptor? I think that's a wonderful question. I'm so glad that she asked that because that is something we really need to talk about today. So I think people I think people used to think that it was, but it is not. Um, so it doesn't disrupt your any any hormones now it's true that it's that uh, the soy phytoestrogens i mean it, it's not an endocrine disruptor it actually has some endocrine action so it acts so these soy phytoestrogens uh, are very healthful they sit in the beta receptors in our bodies like for example in the breast and they put the brakes on growth so um, and they and they so if we're just going to be talking about soy, for example, uh, for breast cancer. They work in a few different ways. The the phytoestrogens, there are a few different in soy, but let's just think about like genistein. It sits in the beta receptor and it puts a break on growth. That's one thing that it does. But something else that it so and our own human estrogen and also the estrogen that you get from cow's milk, for example, um, that sits in the in the alpha receptor and that encourages growth, but also it acts as an aromatase inhibitor. So an aromatase is is an enzyme that turns androgens into estrogens. So it actually, and that's aromatase inhibitors are drugs that we would give people who have breast cancer to try to lower their circulating estrogens. Um, So, so 
the um, plant estrogens, these, these phytoestrogens from soy, um, do that as well. They act as an aromatase inhibitor. And also, they, they actually help to turn on the genes for DNA repair. So we know that women who have a certain uh, genetic uh, um, differences, they carry a gene or they, um, it's called the BRCA mutations. So they have mutations yes. in a BRCA or BRCA one or two uh, gene. So those genes are genes for DNA repair. You know, genes are always, DNA is always getting cut and hurt and you know this oxidative stress they're pulling out electrons so there's these little dna problems but we have D we have repair genes we have dna repair genes and one of them is very a couple that are very important are these bracket genes and one of the things that estrogen the phytoestrogen does is actually upregulate these repair genes so even if you have the mutation for a brca and a mutation in that in that gene it would be better for you to have more soy so I don't, I, I believe that we are, we're not thinking about soy as an endocrine disruptor. We're thinking about soy as having very positive effects, including on our endocrine system, you know, on, on um, our endocrine system, acting like, like a hormone, but it's, but in a very, very positive way, not in a negative way at all. Is there anything you wanted to add, Jean? Well, I think soy has just gotten a bad rap, you know, I mean, because they thought it would be having an impact on, on, on the woman's reproductive system. Uh, no, it's very helpful. So yeah. So it's just gotten a bad rap and I don't know why, but oh, I know why, because some of the early studies were on rats and, uh, and uh, it turns out that rodents do metabolize these, uh, uh, the hormones differently. They metabolize soy differently. Um, and the soy phytoestrogens differently. So, and I'm not saying that you should run out and buy sort of a distillation of soy phytoestrogen. I'm just saying eat the whole plant food. I'm not even saying eat soy iso, you know, certainly not, you don't need the isoflavone. You don't need to take that. You can just eat, actually, Neil Barnard wrote a wonderful book called Your Body in Balance, which he really talks about hormones and endocrine disruptors and hormones and being in balance. But his organization, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, uh, just published a wonderful study looking at um, women who had hot flashes and were suffering from menopausal symptoms. And I know that's not exactly what we're talking about here, but still it's women's health and it's still valid. So yeah. they had women on a plant-based diet, uh, menopausal women, on a, I think they were actually overweight or obese, on a plant-based diet and keeping their oils low. He's not SOS free, but oils low. And he had, he had them add a half a cup of soybeans, organic soybeans every day, just a half a cup a day. And they saw a dramatic reduction in their symptoms of menopause. So nope, this is all a healthy thing. You should have at least one or two servings, I would say two servings of soy a day if you can. And if you can have a fortified soy milk that has some extra calcium, I do, I do like these fortified milk sometimes to get a little bit extra calcium because it, you know, you need to get close to a thousand milligrams of calcium. And unless you're sort of pounding down the collard greens every day, I think it's something that we could be a little bit deficient in. And there were some studies that said that when women had 500, you know, at least 525 milligrams of calcium a day, they had less fractures. But that that data was looked at again. And I think we do need to get closer to a thousand milligrams of calcium to keep our bones strong and vitamin D and eating leafy greens for vitamin K and exercise and exercise when you're young. So... Um, I do, I do sometimes use these fortified milks for that purpose. I wanted to add a little bit, um, soy 
the soy, sometimes soy can be very processed and you want to stay away from that. You want to, you know, like for example, it's called textured soy protein. Uh. No, stay away from that. Okay. Because it is very processed and there are some not good studies about that. So, but the soy in general, like edamame, you know, like I make soy yogurt. Oh my God. So ridiculously easy in the instant pot, ridiculously easy. And so I'll use that as a base for my creams and dressings and sauces and things like that. And it's just a wonderful way to add that to your diet. But when you get to really process things, because I remember like, for example, there was a product that came out that looked almost like ground beef and you could hydrate it, but it was the textured soy protein. While it made it look just like ground hamburger that you could use in a spaghetti sauce. Yeah, you weren't doing yourself any good good there it's it's possible i would definitely i would also recommend if you can sticking to more whole plant foods so soy milk soybeans edamame oh and actually in that study they were not using the young soybeans they were using the cooked whole mature soybean and tofu which is or tempeh so these are minimally processed minimally processed um the there have been some studies about some of the processing of these textured soy isolate and all of that. And, you know, they, they use some chemicals for that and, and it's not the best, but if it's that or ground beef, I mm -hmm. think it's probably safer that, so, you know, if you're dealing with family members that are having trouble transitioning and you want to get them to have something that reminds them of beef, but that's not, um, it's certainly better for the environment. And yes, it's, it would be better to eat whole plant foods, but I, I wouldn't, I don't write all of these things off completely because I think they can still be helpful for people who are transitioning. Sometimes it takes people a little bit longer to do that and good, better, best, right? We just do, right. do the best that we can do. So we're going to go rewind a little bit because Jesse T wanted to know, how, this is for Jean, how did you convince the boy with acne to go plant-based? Okay. You want to talk about that? Uh, his face. I mean, he, he was desperate. He was desperate. They had him on Accutane. They had him, you know, uh, for a while, they did a round on antibiotics for a while, you know, and as soon as he stopped the antibiotics, he came back with a, with a vengeance and he was desperate. He was absolutely hundred percent desperate. He hated going out. He hated doing anything. So it's like, yeah, I'll eat some plant. And actually once he got into it, he really, really, first of all, he saw changes, not only in his face, like immediately. And then as soon as his face started to clear up and then he deviated a little bit, you know, like had a yeah. pizza with the, the boys one night, immediately, like he's like within hours, boom, 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 boom. They were popping out of his face, like to beat the band. And I'm like, yeah, so part of it is what you're eating. Okay. No surprise there. Yeah. But once he went plant-based, first of all, he noticed he was an athlete and he noticed his performance went up like ridiculous. I mean, like he had so much energy and he was clearer thinking, clearer headed. He was doing much better in terms of academics. And I'm like, think that could be the food. And he's like, oh, I guess, you know, he didn't want to admit it, but he yeah. did, you know, he called, he, he gave, you know, gave it out, but you know, it is hard, you know, especially when you're out with the boys and they're eating, you know, wings and pizza and, you know, whatever. But it is tough. It is tough to be the the lone man out. And he saw that. He started to see once he cleaned himself up, he started to see a direct impact on his face of stuff that he ate. Anything with oil in it, immediate, 
immediate. I would imagine that your students had a great respect for you and thought that you were really smart. So probably thought that whatever you told them was really smart and they probably should consider it. So, so that, that might help a little bit too. <laughs> well, you've got those kids that, that always are testing and challenging, yes. you know, yes. they, they knew better. If the kids wanted to, to get me off, off topic, all they had to have oh. do was have somebody pull out a Gatorade bottle and watch them <laughs> We <laughs> lose it in front of them. So, yeah. That's fabulous. I'm so glad that you talked about all these things, especially the things that we that are in our environment and that we're touching and touching our food. I often think about how even it's so amazing how science has advanced where they can take a patch and put it on your skin. So if you want a nicotine patch and you're trying to quit smoking, I don't know whether that's a really good idea or not, but all you do is put this patch on your skin and the drug just gets absorbed into your body. And they have other medications where they just put a patch on your skin and it gets absorbed in your body. And so then all this time that you're talking about these things that you touch and that are touching your food, people don't realize that just touching something, your, your skin hand is cream. You're putting hand cream or hand, oh, Dan, it's, oh my God, hand sanitizers. You want to see me lose it there. I'll start, I'll, I'll start going crazy because hand sanitizers, some of them are so toxic. I mean, really. And they were running out of like during the, you know, the height of the plague, they were using some other chemicals in there that were making people really, really sick. Anything, 26 seconds that's on your, your, your skin is in your bloodstream. 26 seconds. So even if you don't haven't eliminated the cleansers and things from your life, and you are breathing them in, which is, that's another thing. That's another way it gets into your body. But for the very least, people should wear gloves if they're not going to get rid of these chemicals. That's not going to... Because <laughs> all the stuff we put on our head. Yeah. Right? No, I meant like if you were cleaning your windows or, yeah. or something. Okay, so when you're, you're do you breathe, you're, and I was just thinking about that the other day because we, my grandson came to visit, right? And so my neighbors had all this... They, they've had multiple grandchildren and whatnot. So they let me borrow a bunch of their, their, you know, the high chair and the hoppity hop and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So before I take it back, I like hosed it down because you know how children are. But I used a Pure Haven, it's a product called Pure Haven Essentials Surface Cleaner. And I know as I'm breathing it, I'm trying to clean this out and I'm breathing this in. I know you can tell it's not toxic. Right. You know, you get those foaming bath cleaners and you're in the bathroom trying not to breathe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is kind of weird because you're holding it in, which is like, is that worse than breathing in and out? <laughs> but you know, you know, it's toxic. Your body is telling you get out of this bathroom because this is really toxic stuff. And so you really need to stop using it, not only for you, but for the environment, because anything that goes down the drain. Okay. I, I have to get this out because it, it, all right. If it goes down the drain, it goes to a water recycling you know, plant, okay? That plant is not used to or can handle the over 10,000 chemicals that are in our environmental system. The water usually goes through a filtration system once it goes through that, and that just gets the big chunks out. And most of the, t the toxins are very small particles. So they go right through the filtration system. Then they add chlorine into that. Then they usually to kill whatever bacteria, whatever is growing in there. Then they bubble that to try and get some of the chlorine out. And then, oh, here's the best part. I love this part. Because the only federally regulated water that there is on this planet is the water that comes out of your tap. It is by law 
definition, it's supposed to come out by a pH of seven, but the, the water is so acidic at this point that they now have to add sodium hydroxide to the water to raise the pH. Sodium hydroxide, that's Drano, okay? So they're adding that to the water on top of all the chemicals that you flush down your sink. It's, it's not a great thing. So all that water, I mean, the, the water that's on this planet is the same as what the dinosaurs were peeing and pooping in, okay? Yeah. It hasn't changed. We haven't gotten right. any new water. Just right, because it water. evaporates into the atmosphere right. and then it rains back down and collects whatever's on its way. Right. <laughs> it takes it down with it. And they don't call water the universal solvent for nothing because it can dissolve so many things. Water, I've been studying water for over 25 years and I'm just so fascinated by it. It's just incredible, incredible, incredible material. Let's talk about the pregnancy advantage and, and the other things that you guys are doing that is going to help out people who are planning to be pregnant or are pregnant or just people that want to be healthier. Jane, do you want to start with the pregnancy advantage? Sure. Um, so Deborah and I connected together because we're both very passionate about helping women to get their bodies, to clean them out, to get their bodies pregnant ready. And we really want to help the next generation because I saw it in the classroom. Deborah was seeing it, you know, kids coming out of the chute. I mean, you know, already toxic, you know, on average, they were looking at umbilical cords of women who were, were dealing with pregnancies and they saw the toxins in the umbilical cord. So here's a kid, not even an hour old already with over several hundred chemicals in this body. And it's like, really? We, so, you know, Deborah and I started this program to help women to get, first of all, to clean their bodies out, but also to get ready for labor because it is intense. You just, you know, it's, yeah, it's intense and it's a lot of work and they don't call it labor for nothing. And it's a beautiful process. I'll never forget looking at my children after they were born going, that was just such a miracle. It is such a miracle. And I know Deborah was catching them, you know, as they were coming out and, you know, so we wanted to do that to help women. That's one of our biggest, biggest pieces. And especially if you're dealing with infertility, because we've had women that, that have gone plant-based and then, oh, it's a miracle. And, and they get pregnant. You know, it's, and it's not just going plant-based, but it's, you know, learning about your sleep and how do we change that? And we do it with not just the woman, but we deal with the man as well, because there's two things, you know, there's two pieces to this puzzle. <laughs> so, you know, we want to deal with both, you know, the mother and father at the, at you know, to help them get their bodies in the best possible shape. And then to continue on that. And I have to say, my grandson just came to visit and he's one and a half. And he was actually beta tested when we were building the program. Uh, my, my daughter was testing the program. And literally from the time the shields went down, it was six weeks and she got pregnant right away. And she has the most amazing son. And I have to tell you, and I really think that this kid, I mean, not to say that he's not, you know, grumpy or not, you know, cries or whatever, but right. this kid is the happiest kid I've ever seen. And I really attribute it to being plant-based. Why? Because if you're giving a kid a baby who can't speak yet or verbalize food that is going to cause him, him or her to get sick and not feel good. Like, you know, if you give them cheese, their system is not really designed to break down that. And so they're going to get a stomach ache. And how do they express that? You know, and so they start crying and, and they're, they're not happy. They don't sleep well. They, they, they get sick a lot more. And this kid has been sick hardly at all. They just started taking him to daycare. 
And when he does, he gets a little cold, poof, in a day or so it's gone. Whereas the other kids will be, you know, hanging on to colds for months and months and months. Right. But he has hardly been sick at all in his year and a half on this planet. And they feed him whole food plant-based. And this kid, I mean, he's a pooping machine. Let me tell you that first off. I mean, that's good. <laughs> he needs to clean his bowels. I mean, yes. without question. But anyway, so that's, that's why, I mean, I mean, I wanted to give back to the to the next generation coming up. So. And I want to see women have uh, healthier pregnancies. I'm t I was really getting tired of seeing so many women develop gestational diabetes and and preeclampsia and need to be induced and preterm labor and all of that. And so uh, we were really trying to have healthier pregnancies and easier deliveries, less C-sections, less hemorrhage, less any all of that, less complications in pregnancy. And we can do that, but you need to start early. You need to start before and get get um, your blood pressure and your blood sugars and your insulin resistance under control. Before. Right. Yeah. And, and I do want to maybe you wanted to talk about it just for you know 20 seconds or so about the Academy of Dietetics policy statement. There are people that have families here that are trying to discourage them from adopting this lifestyle as far as becoming pregnant or carrying out a baby to term. And then like you were saying, your grandchild feeding them this diet. So do you want to talk about that policy statement, Dr. Shapiro? Sure, absolutely. Um, or it used to be called the ADA, the American Dietetics Association, but now it's called the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and A-N-D. Uh, but they came out with a policy statement that said that a well-planned plant-based diet, including a vegan diet, is appropriate for all stages of life, including pregnancy, infancy, el the elderly, athletes um, as well, so and postpartum. So at all stages of life, a well-planned. Now you could argue well-planned. So what, what does that mean? I mean? We're not talking about a sort of a, a loosey-goosey vegan who's just in it, you know, to protect the animals, who's interested in just eating chips and Coke. I mean, chips and Coke and Oreos, those that would be that would be fine on a vegan diet. But that's not what we are talking about. That's not what they were talking about. A well-planned. Uh, and that means also some some appropriate supplementation, because we do not get B12 from plants nor animals. We get it from bacteria. We make it in our colons. Our bacteria make it, too. But we absorb it higher up. So I'm not recommending eating your poop. I just think it's easy enough to take a supplement. <laughs> and two and 2,000 um, micrograms every week would be fine. And, and you can take a little bit less, you know, 1,000 twice a week or, you know, but uh, there's some excellent books about that. And, and we recommend that. The Pregnancy Advantage, it can be self-paced. You can, you can buy it and do it on your own and not have any uh, contact with us. Um, but also you could be in a, in a group where, in a group setting where we meet every week. And then both of us are also individual coaches. So I'm also, uh, you can see a new view of food and I do have a, a little giveaway if you'd like, it's called uh, Why Eat Plants. And I think most of your listeners are probably already doing this. It sounds like from their questions that they are already eating a whole food plant-based diet. So that's wonderful. And, uh, but sometimes people are eating more just a vegan diet and they want to tweak it a little bit and get into more whole plant foods. So you can look at a whole um, a new view of food.com and for Jean, also an excellent coach. Well, I have simplyplantbased.net and I have a whole series that I've of classes that I've got coming up starting January 15th, I believe it is, or January 16th. I can't remember. It's whatever the Saturday is. Uh, but if you go on simplyplantbased.net under events, uh, you can find them there or on Eventbrite. And there's a whole series that I'm doing on starting with what is whole food plant-based. How do you begin? What are some tips and tricks? And then 
talking about the toxins and talking about uh, metals and, you know, and all these things. So there's a whole series that I'm doing in conjunction with Plant City in Providence, Rhode Island. So if you don't know about Plant City, Plant City is the first plant-based market hall in the country. So pretty amazing place. Um, so, and let me just add to the uh, pregnancy advantage. We have a summit mm -hmm. that we did. We had like 26, how many was it? 26, Deborah people? Yeah. I, I don't know. I lost track. A lot, a lot of people. <laughs> and, and some of the stories were just absolutely just incredible. One woman was literally on the table to have a hysterectomy at 27. Oh. And the doctor was about to do a hysterectomy and then said, wait, wait, you're healing. What are you doing? He brought her out from anesthesia. What are you doing? And she was yeah. healing from stage four. Stage, stage four, endometriosis. Yeah. All socked in and it just reversed. And they yeah. found like one band of adhesions or they clipped and they, yeah, really. And she went on to have a family. So it was really yep. wonderful. Three kids. But we all have but we also have lots of, of, of uh, physicians, Dr. Clapper, Dr. Barnard. We have uh, yeah. we have amazing new dietitians like Brenda Davis, and so um, and that's available on the on the pregnancy advantage. That's the first summit we did, and we Deborah and I have been continuing on and collecting and connecting with some of the top people in the country in terms of fertility, in terms of you know whole food, plant based. And, and stories, you know, hearing the stories. So we've got another summit that's coming together that will come out probably February, March, somewhere in there. Uh, we're working on the editing of that right now as we speak. <laughs> and so that's coming out the next, that's you know, the pregnancy, yeah, the pregnancy Advantage Fertility Summit. That'll be, we're trying to make it an annual event. And each summit is just building on the the information from the previous summit. So You know, it's amazing now that there's the American, um, it's called the Academy of no, it's uh, lifestyle medicine. So the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And actually, there's uh, also an international college of lifestyle medicine. So now that there's much more interest in lifestyle medicine, which includes diet, uh, you know, a plant-based diet, a whole food plant-based diet, and then exercise and sleep and stress reduction and, and reducing toxin exposure, you know, mostly, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, other drugs, drugs of abuse, but also toxins, and, and also um, connectiveness with others and, and social connections. Um, but now that there are more and more doctors getting involved and not only doctors, but nurses and all kinds of, and allied health professionals getting involved in this, um, it's easier to find a clinician and there's, and we're coming, we are, I'm also busy with them uh, with textbooks and coming up with preconception with pamphlets. And we're, we're, this is all going to be more accessible to more people. That's wonderful. That's such good news. It is. And, and all of you that are listening and watching, I'm sure that you've had some pearls of wisdom that you learned and type it in the comments so that people in the future can see these things because there's just so much that we learned today. And I'm so excited that we got to share that with everyone. Please stay tuned for a special announcement. I did want to thank uh, Just Has Voice. She did the countdown and she did the promo. Just Has Voice, can you please tell us who is coming up next? Struggling with plateaus and starting over? Do you want the right habits to stick? Join us when Dr. Elizabeth Fontaine, MD, helps us to tackle the challenge of weight loss. Bring your questions Wednesday, January 5th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy, live. I do want to thank all of you that are watching. I want to thank Dr. Shapiro and Jean. You guys have been so fabulous, giving so much information. The passion that you have, it's just infectious. And I know that there's so much more that you would love to say and we could 
probably talk for days for people to contact you at the Pregnancy Advantage. And we'll have links in the show notes for everybody and you'll see all that and we can go ahead and, and share that with you. And I wanted to really thank all of you that have been watching today and listening. You're the reason that we're here. You're the reason why these wonderful ladies are here today to share the information with you. And please go ahead and like and share. If you liked this presentation and this interview, click like, and that's your way of giving your applause <laughs> to our guests that we had today. And until I see you guys again, remember, be strong, be well, and be, be green. green. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.